0: Welcome to episode 13 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. I'm Derek Dye. And I'm Jeff Brownson. And together we're
1: drinking our way through this amazing world, one pint at a time.
0: Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about.
1: Our guest today is Eric Coleman. Eric has been involved in the world of craft beer in one way or another for almost his entire life. He recently decided to make it what he works on full time, and we're excited to talk to him about all that he's doing to help the beer industry prosper.
0: Before we get to that interview, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, we'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you won't miss anything that we have coming down the line.
1: I also want to send a quick thank you out to Dave from Basic Travel Couple. He introduced me to Eric a couple of weeks ago, and by doing so, made this chat possible.
0: And now, let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy our chat with Eric Coleman.
1: And we have an exciting episode for you today. I have
0: Derek with me, fresh back from the islands. Say hello, Derek. Ah, oh, it's nice to be back in snow and rain, isn't it? Absolutely. Nah, and join- not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Joining us for this recording is a,
1: a man whose background in the beer industry is crazy. When I first uh, was told about him, I read up a little bit and I said, yes, I need to get this man on the phone. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Eric Coleman.
2: Thank you. Uh, it is my pleasure and honor to be able to be on this podcast. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: Thanks for being here.
1: And we have a lot we're going to talk about, but as we always do, one of the first things we want to get to is what we're drinking today as we record this episode. And I think having talked to you on the phone a little bit, we're probably going to go a little bit long here. So it might be a two-beer show, not just a one-beer show. We'll see how it goes. But uh, what I've got today is starting out with uh, Port City Optimal Wit, which is the flagship beer of the Port City Brewing Company based in Alexandria, Virginia. They were the, I think, 2015 Great American Beer Festival Small Brewer of the Year. So they, I mean, they make some good beers and they know what they're doing and they've been around for a little bit and they just keep getting bigger and making more beers. But this is one that's, it's kind of like a local comfort beer for me. So
0: I'll swing it over to Derek. What are you drinking? Tonight I'm drinking a RAR stunts. It's a sour ale that is brewed with tangerines. It's a summer favorite. I figured since I left the islands and I'm now back to snow and rain and 32 degrees, it was worthy of a summer sipper. So stunts. It's a a good beer that I uh, really enjoy sitting poolside, so I'm still thinking about last week's vacation. How about you, Eric? What do you have first?
2: I have um, Empire Brewing Company's Stormy Weather. It is their white ale with cranberry and orange peel.
0: That sounds good. Yeah, good
1: winter beer.
2: Yeah, nice, nice, uh, full-bodied uh, white ale. So it's pretty good, pretty delicious.
1: And you have uh, a little bit of a background with Empire Brewing, I believe, which we'll get into uh, and we'll talk about. But you've played with them a little bit over the years, I think I remember. Mm -hmm. let's get started though let's let's go way back to growing up where tell the listeners where you grew up how you kind of found your way to knowing about beer and hearing about beer and give us a little bit of that background of of the young eric coleman
2: (laughs) yeah uh once upon a time i grew up in the ellicottville uh new york area and ellicottville is a small ski town about an hour south of buffalo new york first got exposed to beer Gosh, I'm dating myself a little bit uh, with my father and a group of his friends. They started making wine in the 70s and the mid 80s wanted to convert to beer. And by 1989, uh, they had built a brew system in one of the bays of my uh, parents' garage. One of the gentlemen in the the group, their soon to be Elkinville Brewing Club, uh, ran a uh, like a fabrication tool and die type shop. And so they built a three tier, one and a half barrel, all grain brew system and but all the fridge and kegs and everything else, and away they went. So that that was my exposure way back in the day before craft beer was was cool. And you know, a lot of people are homebrewing.
1: And how old were you at that point? Were you sneaking beers when your parents weren't looking, or with,
2: were you a little too young for that? Well, I'm a little too young. So off the record, no, I uh, in 1989, 90, I was 17, going on 18. So 90, I graduated high school in 91. So I just I was underage. Didn't really taste much, but I get to taste along the way, you know, as you're brewing and everything else. Didn't drink too much back in the high school day. I was pretty involved in athletics, but, uh, there, there are some tastings along the way.
0: And knowing what you know now, how would you rate those early beers? How good of a brewer was your dad and his friends in the garage? They were pretty good.
2: They were pretty technical. They, uh, A bunch of engineers, my dad was a math teacher, a bunch of science guys, so they understood the chemistry. Um, One of the guys had a photographic memory, and they had read all the books they they could consume way back in the day from some of the old school writers, and uh, the Beer Bible, and I'm dating some of the books that you don't really even see on the shelf other than it's nice to have as a collector's item. They made actually a Blondale that won some medals in the New York State area back in some of the early beer festivals in the early mid 90s. Now back then it, there was literally in western New York two brewing companies, three brewing companies, and we can get into that because that's a, a part of uh what I am but when my parents started there there was only one or two brewing companies that were you know that were part of the the early little pop that Buffalo had.
1: So you grew up, you become uh legal drinking age and you didn't go into beer right away, right? What what was it that you did before your your full time beer gig that you're doing now?
2: Well yes and no i am I'm so grateful and fortunate. Craft beer has been a side hustle hobby of mine that occupied on average anywhere from 10 to 30, 40 hours a week. And that was my side it's more of a, a labor of love. So uh I lucked out at the time when my parents were starting the LK Brewing Cub I was already bartending. I was a little older looking and uh yeah, you know, playing football and or those a little bigger in Ellicottville, New York? Um, through college, from '91 to '95, and in Ellicottville, Elkinville Brewing Company had started up in 1995. So I got to help Pete Craneater when he was first opening, from all the bartending I had done there, get them open up and running everything else, and that took me up and until my legal drinking age. And they're decent size. They're they have the production capability of doing. 30,000 barrels a year. They're now scaling up to that. Their first Ted Brewer left, got his master's in brewing in Chicago, University of Illinois, Chicago, came back in uh, Findamink and opened up Southern Tier Brewing Company. And so I lucked out because when he left, there he and Pete Craneater, our brother-in-laws, opened up Southern Tier. EBC is a big ski town, resort-style, chalet-looking brewing company, brew pub. Southern Tier, more of the production facility. Got to help him in the earlier stages, his first couple of iterations. You know, a lot of cleaning for him, a lot of tasting events I go and do, help brew a little bit. And, you know, it doesn't hurt to be able to put that on my resume that I got to help open up and work at Southern Tier Brewing Company. Um, And then just spent a lot of time really helping those and some of the people that were emerging on the scene in Buffalo.
1: So you had a hand in sort of the. Not the birth, but the definitely the popularization and the growing of the beer industry in in Western and Southern New York. Then, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. Because back then, um, Tim Herzog, who he was one of the the founding guys with uh, Fred Matt and the uh, founder of Empire Brewing Company, starting the New York State Brewers Association, and so through all of that, even though I was kind of like the guy in the background, but I got to help play my role in a lot of that, which is really cool. So yeah, um, by 95, Pearl Street Brewing Company had opened. Breckenridge Brewing Company had come to Buffalo. Tim Herzog was starting the Flying Bison Brewing Company. Uh, they're now a part of Saranac. Tim Herzog was one of the, he's like the early pioneer who really helped put Buffalo on the map in the in the brewing scene. And so, like Tim would come down and homebrew with my dad and my dad and his group would homebrew with the group of guys in Buffalo that are homebrew because there weren't too many homebrew groups back then. So, yeah, it was kind of fun to be able to really help get involved and get my hands dirty in brewing and helping promote and all things in that facet back in the early days of brewing here in, in uh, Western New York, Southern area.
0: And before we move on from the Southern Tier brewing connection, question I've always had uh, since the first time I had it, is it 2X IPA or is it 2 times IPA?
2: <laughs> it's, the name two, of the beer.
0: it's 2x ipa 2x ipa okay
2: and it's funny it's like it's literally we tell everybody it's tomato or tomato i mean it's really whatever you call it whatever you want as long as you're drinking it um but when you talk to the guys brewing it and everybody else it is um 2x ipa see that
1: we're answering the important questions here on the miles and pints podcast
2: oh yeah checking them off along the
0: way I mean, my wife and I, Sarah, have had multiple debates over what this would be called, uh, to the point that at w- one specific night, I remember we just started asking to get another double because we couldn't agree on whether it was 2x or two times. So there you go. I'm sure other people have need, really need to hear this very important information.
2: Well, it is, and it's one of those, you got to keep tasting it to make sure, you know, it's, it really helps solidify your understanding of that beer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: Or if you can't figure it out, maybe order one each way and then exactly. see, see which one the bartender doesn't look at you funny. Though They may not <laughs> well know either. Yes,
3: yeah, <laughs> that whole left,
2: left twix, right twix uh, debate going on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So you weren't doing, um, at this point, you are you have your hand in or you're kind of helping out and you know a lot of the people in the brewing arena, but you weren't doing brewing full time until fairly recently, Correct.
2: Yes and no. What I do today, there's no degree for, there's no real program for, and there's only about four or five people that kind of do in the specifics of the minutia of what I do as a full-time career. Uh, So when I uh, graduated high school, went out to Hamilton College, got a degree, wanted to go into law school, chickened out after getting into law school, said, oh God, what do I want to do? Came back to Western New York college football buddy got me in as being a financial advisor for four years in the buffalo area which that allowed me to still be able to they'd be like he called and you want to guest bartend um the guy who was my supervisor at uh at um equitable owned a bar downtown on chippewa craft beer barn so i'd help him order i'd do the tastings when brewing companies would want to come in after hours um Rocked that for about four years, kind of got bored with it. I like helping people, but, you know, the commission's base. you're not really helping people. You're out to make sure the company makes money and, you know, all of that. So after that, I was still kind of doing the craft beer thing, get to brew a little bit on the side, promotions, uh, do like beer tasting events for these different companies, and then decided to fall into teaching. My parents were teachers, seemed like something I should do. I'd grown up ski instructing and teaching swimming lessons. At the time, went back out of master's and uh, my fir- my first teaching certifications in social studies special ed, but there had just been a mass exodus of the old timers retiring the tier ones, and I spent about three, four years taking long-term teaching stints, but never really finding a position, still playing in the craft beer game, and then a uh, friend of mine who worked for... Uh, he was a director of the U.S., assistant director of the U.S. Small Business Administration Office of Disaster Assistance, said, uh, you got a finance background, you speak Spanish, we could use you. And so I said, what the heck? I couldn't find a full-time teaching gig. Took four years, uh, worked for the federal government, traveling about 280, 300 days a year, uh, where I'd go into a disaster, blown like a hurricane would wipe out an area. I'd make camp there for three, six, nine months and write loans for the businesses and some of the residents and work with the community to help put the infrastructure back together. Cool thing was wherever I'd go, there's always brewing companies, usually brewing companies in need. I had experience. So my after hours I would go in and help them get back up on their feet or grow. And, and they,
1: at that point, you know, and there's just been a, a hurricane, they may not have power. So they may have some beer that they need you to drink. Right.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, I'd be able to, I'd work with them and get to know them as writing the loan. And then I'd talk about what I did. And they're like, oh, we, we." I would come they they like come down and have a beer. And i be like, we could use some other help. And then I'd be like, okay. And There are some weekends I'd be pushing a broom to help clean up just because, yeah, it's all the brewing community. is. I'm sure you two know, it's, it's a super tight knit when you're in, when you're in the fold, when you're in with them, doesn't matter where you go. They kind of accept you as one of them. They'll hand you your broom too, and expect you to, you know, get right to work. But they'll also yeah. hand you the beer. And so spent the four years doing that, and everywhere from Florida to the Midwest to Texas, I've, I've been able to help go in and work with small, different little brewing companies in all these towns that would get whacked pretty good, and that was kind of fun. And then Hurricane Katrina shook everything up. After that disaster winded down. My job moved to Fort Worth, Texas. My then ex-wife said they didn't want to move the family. So I said, okay. I took a a furlough and went back into teaching and never went back to the government. And then from there kind of really started the the relaunching into the beer world locally, teaching and then went into admin, helping EBC and Southern Tier again when I wasn't, you know, the summers, weekends, events. I'd go down and help brew. If they'd have a big festival, I'd go down and help them out. The Buffalo beer scene. Is finally coming into its own. We had a little bit of a rejuvenation, small blip from '95 to early 2000s, kind of died off again, and then right around 2010, 11, we started to get a little bit of a comeback. Community Beer Works it started a grassroots, community-based brewing company. Flying Bison had, you know, kind of moved, got back up on center feet, back up on his feet. We're working. Resurgence Brewing Company uh, really got picking up. And then uh, Big Ditch Brewing Company in 2011, 2012 started to emerge. And I'll explain who they are real quick. And still always dabbling in the craft beer world and homebrewing with people and friends. I got the opportunity. The two owners of Big Ditch sought me out. Were re- I was referred to them. And with my experience, they go, we only have a GM. Will you come in and help? And it was kind of cool because I got to come in and help the one founding owner in the brew house brewing, cleaning. Help the other owner in the front of the house with marketing, tasting events, and dropping off kegs, picking up kegs. Then I helped the GM build out the, the back of the house and the front of the house in the tap room. And I got to spend about four years with them. Big ditch brewing company right now in Buffalo. They produce, they're in the top 15 in New York State. They produce about thirteen to 15,000 barrels a year. They have a 20-barrel brew system with or 860s, 440 barrel fermenters, three brights and all the bells and whistles. But they're um, in about two years, they're really going to come to know who they are because they're building a, I think it's 89,000 square foot facility. Wow. And uh, New York city wants them and they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to punch big. They lucked out. Hey, they make some really good beers. The two founding owners and this, I don't want to plug them. You know, they're great guys. Not about that, but they're biochemical engineers. And so their quality control ratio, the, the um how far off the mark you want to be when you're dialing your beers in they they're they're on point all the time so their hayburner is a an approachable entry level beer before the IPA craze really sprung up over the last 5 years and so it's it's very neutral very middle of the road very approachable and that kind of what started their craze and then from there i've helped open up resurgence which has a 25,000 square foot facility that can has the capability of doing about 30,000 barrels they're not there yet and then a few of the other places. And so that I did all through my educational years. And to wrap that all up, uh, at the end of my educational career, I was an admin, uncovered some shady business going on in the building, didn't like it because of my prior pass. And I had my. Like, I was still putting in, even as an admin, 20, 30 hours in the beer world just because I could and I loved it. I decided to challenge the day. I caught some budging of data and some other stuff that wasn't too cool and fought against that for a few years. The stress of that triggered a massive heart attack at 41 years old. I did not have high cholesterol, did not have any heart issues, had no nothing, pure stress related, complete anomaly. The doctors didn't even quite understand it. I mean, they still kind of track me as a case study.
1: It was your body telling you that you needed to do more with beer and less with teaching. I think. In
2: fact, yes, because I came back within another year, c- kind of got everything through. We went to the state, yada, yada had another heart attack. And at that point in time, that's when my wife and I were like, you love education, you love helping people, but it's kind of killing you. We got to do something else. Well, that guy quit, had a mental breakdown. So I'm like, oh, I won. Uh, It was a charter school and we found out we were not going to get renewed. And we had a two year left on the charter and then they're going to get shut down. Everybody panicked. And I said, this is the perfect time. I told the other administrators. I'll take on all the duties. We'll figure out compensation that we can afford. And I said, I'm done. I'm walking away from K through 12 education, at least. I thought I was done with education completely. And in those two years, I'm like, I got to figure out how the hell I'm going to, you know, you know, walking away from 18 years in the New York state pension system as an admin. A lot of people thought I was nuts, but I'm like, ah, I need to go in a different direction. And the beer scene had really come up in Buffalo. That's when big ditch resurgence was going. And that sparked it all. Do you remember the massive snowstorm that happened in Buffalo back in 2016, 17, where they had, we had 11 feet fall in some of the areas?
1: Oh, I remember hearing about that, yeah.
2: Well, it only happened in about a three-mile wide band, but because it cut through the middle of Buffalo across all major arteries of, of transportation and actually right over my wife's school, where they legit had nine and 10 feet, it was nuts. Where I lived, we only had three inches, and I was actually out Still had my second heart attack. Six weeks I had to be out of work. Towards the tail end of that, a bunch of educators were out for the whole week. So what do educators do? Just like people in the brewing world, they they were out drinking. We were at a craft beer bar. I was talking to a buddy. He's a you know he's an entrepreneur and trying to figure out what my next steps were going to be. And he goes, I know what you're going to do, but you got to figure it out. And he kept asking me the same thing over and over again. He goes, What do you love to do? What do you love to do? What do you love to do? He goes, I know you love helping people. You're good at educating. And I finally had that epiphany after about the third or fourth beer. It's like, ah, craft beer all the way. And then they go, okay, how do you monetize that? I'm like, I have no clue because I don't want to open up a brewing company yet. We're like, well, unless you're going to be a GM, I don't know how the hell you're going to run and make money. And
1: And this is how Beer by Coleman was born.
2: Yes. So that snowstorm and two major heart attacks later, and my wife's awesomeness to put up with me, accept it. I mean – Took a little bit of a a financial cutback walking away from that job and not really having all of everything lined up, but uh, yeah, that's how Beer by Coleman was born. So give us a
1: quick, I I mean, I mentioned it. you have agreed with me that that's how it was born, but our listeners don't know what Beer by Coleman is and they should because you're doing some pretty cool things up there in New York and really all over the place. So give us a quick rundown of the, the services you offer or what Beer by Coleman is.
2: Yeah, it's a concierge consultant agency. So the pillars that operate under Beer by Coleman is I act as a concierge, like an ambassador, if you will, all things craft beer and beverage in Western New York. Just playing on the I'm now at 25 plus years in the craft beer beverage business. And I say beverage because I want to make sure I'm incorporating mead, meaderies, cideries. Um, I even want to show the distillers the love in the area just because it's all about the craft beverage. No, that beer is my concentration, if you will. Um, okay yeah, a little foreshadowing there. The next project that came my way is uh, so I do the concierge. Uh, I do consulting where people have hired me, like Big Ditch and Resurgence, where they had done their paperwork, they had been approved, they're under construction. They're like, okay, we need help. This is a big, heavy lift. You've, I've, you know, like I said, I've helped brew, market, sales, all that other stuff. And I came in. Uh, one of the things I did at Big Ditch that was a huge help. I spent two years. I wrote all their policy and procedures. There weren't too many policies and procedures for brewing companies where I and the one owner spent, I don't know how many hours on various shifts writing all the policies and procedures from start to finish on how to brew a batch of beer and what each position or what each stage is scripting it out. So we can have one page uh, lesson sheets for people to refer to if they had problems doing troubleshooting and all of that. So you had those components in there. And then for the front of the house and the back of the house of the tap room, Uh, so that's where consulting, I, uh, currently have four brewing companies I'm working with big Ditch is kind of like our entertainer. I'm not with them right now, but when they open up the monstrosity, I'm going to go back in to help them retool their staff. I'll write their tour program every now and then the owners will call me if they have a tour that the owners, the owners like to do the tours. They're very attention to orient or attention to detail orientated. So I'll come down and do a tour for them or. They've had a couple of virtual tastings that they've asked for help on just because the two owners couldn't do them and they didn't want anybody else doing them. So I'd get to the opportunity to go down and help them out. So I'll help them. But I have a small client who's opening up a small nano brewing company right now in the middle of North Buffalo and he knew nothing. So I did everything from writing his loan and got him approved to overseeing the construction, buying the equipment. I'll plug it in, hire the staff, train it and walk away. And then a couple other ones that I'm playing various aspects. And then I do virtual tastings and uh, tasting events uh, with beer by Coleman. And that kind of blossomed into something that COVID really happened. And then a last phase, which has kind of coming into a couple of people have approached me. And so we're looking to buy some brick and mortar craft beer bars that are struggling during COVID coming on as part owner to help rejuvenate them, get them back on scene. And then, you know, our buy-in is a little bit of financing, but also the operations expertise and all of that.
0: So it sounds like to me that beer by Coleman has sort of three, uh, components to its business. You, you are in consulting, you do private tastings for consumers, and then you're also uh, looking at buying these struggling beer bars. Um, can you tell our listeners how, how does beer by Coleman, how do you share your time uh, in terms of uh day to day running your business? Is m- uh, most of it consulting? I would assume.
2: Quite a bit. Um, it's it's a lot of hurry up and wait. And I kind of like I'm assuming with the both of you, you you're you doing a lot. You're involved a lot. So I, I work a lot of hours. My day, I get up with my wife at like 5.36 o'clock. She's an educator. and I'll work until like tonight will be a night or even after you, I've got to respond to some emails and do some stuff for a uh, tasting event I have next week, uh, which is kind of a kind of cool one. Um, I'll be probably working until 11. So the tastings, it's – once I get the uh, head count, I get all the stuff, ship everything out. Then it's the day of. That takes a little bit. The consulting, uh, the one client who I'm doing all the work for, you know, he gets you know a, a major portion of the hours. And then the other guy's it's stuff. But the, the beautiful thing is a good portion of it I can do from my office here. That, that you look in this this amazing background that I have behind me. Uh, this is where I spend a lot of my time, and it's it's all like I I, I plug and play, and then I'm very fortunate. Some of the people that I've been able to work with that um, I have helped train, I will come in and plug where if I can't be somewhere, but I know they can go operate some of what I need done, I'll retain them to go do that as an extension of me. And then with the brick and mortars, my two partners, one is already owning a brewing company, another guy owns a craft beer bar, and they they have a lot of experience. So between the three of us, we bring like 60 years experience into this. So we all kind of share the, the weight there. So it's a lot of divvying up time and it constantly changes each week.
1: Yeah. And you said, you'll, you'll be working till 11 o'clock tonight doing various things. Whereas I I mean, I'm not doing the same type of consulting as you, but like we, we scheduled this podcast. And before this, I was shooting video of my uh, new beers that I got in. I'm doing a a beer academy with the uh, church key, which is a bar here in DC that has an has an amazing selection. So I shot a bunch of videos of unboxing those beers and some of the beers and, and I know when we're done here, I I'm sure I'm going to be editing video for hours after this, trying to make something, probably trying to come up with a three minute video that'll go on social media or something.
2: And that's awesome. That's so, yeah, I've, I've never been there, but I heard, I love the, the DC area and I, I've been able to read a lot about them. So I can't wait to check them out when I get down to the area.
1: Yeah, Church Key is a really cool place. It's I I can't imagine how they do any sort of business now um, with the pandemic because it's always, it's always very crowded and it's like a tight little cozy space, but they had good food and the beer selection is amazing. So I was always happy to go in there and sneak. You could often find a seat in the back somewhere or at the bar and grab a couple of, uh, they always had a good selection of all sorts of Belgian
2: beers, which I'm a big fan of. Awesome. Yeah, that's that's kind of the niche. My palate everybody's palate changes, right? For the last while I've been really grooving on Belgians so of all scale, German beers. And then I always have a passion for big stouts.
1: Yeah, that's what my wife is getting into stouts, some stouts and porters and as long as it tastes like a little bit of chocolate or coffee, she's kind of coming back around to the world of beer, which is exciting for me cuz she's happy to go to breweries with me now. Whereas before she was like, yeah, go ahead, have fun at the brewery. Now she'll actually join me
2: as long as they have something on tap that uh, she'll enjoy. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, when I met my wife, she, she, she drank McUltra and a couple things, thought she hated hops. And now I can't keep fin Demond in the fridge when that comes in. It's like one of her favorites. So I'm like, ah, I'm, I'm very happy. She'll, she'll now come with me to the brewing companies as well.
1: <laughs> and I think, uh, Derek's wife has always, She's always gone happily to breweries with you, right, Derek?
0: Well, there's a funny story behind that. At our first date, she told me her favorite beer was Miller Lite. I managed to not laugh at her, and uh, we went on a second date, and then a third, and then a fourth, and by, you know, maybe a dozen dates, she was drinking craft beer, and now we travel all over the world to drink beer together, so I'm, I'm very blessed in that regard.
1: And maybe Chrissy will get to that point at some point. So she has agreed to go with me to uh, Belgium to do, a—I a, a, think it's the Tour de Goose. And we're hoping to rent bikes and ride around to some of the different um, breweries that are, are putting out just amazing stuff there that are only open for that festival once every two years to the public for tours. So I'm, I'm excited to go do that. I think it's mainly the bikes that are bringing her there, but she also <laughs> she'll try the beers as we go.
0: I'll trick her into it gradually. There you go. I think I'm missing an invite for that event, aren't I? <laughs> I'm going to need the specific dates. It was
1: 2021, and it's not looking so good for that this year. So maybe wah,
0: we'll show you wah, version.
1: Now, Eric, the, you had mentioned that you're consulting with, I think you said four breweries now, how do those places find you? Do they find you through your website? Do they find you by word of mouth? Are they people that you ran into when you were doing the disaster relief?
2: The, the four that are like the, 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 the meat and bones clients, if you will, cause I do a little bit here and there, I like to give. So I do a lot of free consulting, if you will, and I can talk to that in a second.
1: Not great for a business.
2: No, but it's, and I'll explain why, because it kind of, like, it, it ties in a little bit with what you two look to do. Um, it's, it's part of my bigger picture, long-term picture. But no, uh, locally, they're all local here in the Western New York area. Word of mouth. Um, it's the, the benefit of doing the consulting, having been associated with all these different brewing companies, uh, the events... Uh, chairman for the Buffalo Niagara Brewers Association, and then being the director of Trocare College's Brewing Distillation Program. Anything with craft beer and beverage, I've kind of been in. And through Trocare, I like to get fun and creative. And Trocare is known as a a nursing school, so they're one of the better well known for that. So whenever I do anything with craft beer and they're pushing out through their media consulting company, they jump at it. So I get a lot of free uh, free media, just people coming because – I I make it cool. So I've had like news.
1: Something That's not nursing.
2: Exactly. And then I'll be like, to the news personalities, like some of the be like you want to come in and brew a beer? They're like, yeah, I'm like, do shoot and do whatever you want. I'll give you a bunch of free beer To They're like, great. Like, you know, who doesn't want free beer to come in and get to hang out? So I let them geek out, be a kid and they shoot whatever they want. And like, this is awesome. So it's the other departments get kind of mad at me at Showcare, care. And I'm like, I'm thinking I'm like, I'm the cool. I'm the anesthesiologist. I'm the fun guy in the corner everybody wants there and I'm in for a little bit and then I'm out. Now, you don't need to see me too much, but uh, <laughs> everybody likes to play. Everybody likes beer. So uh, yeah, word of mouth has been the biggest thing for what I'm doing here in Western New York. I, I have a bigger play outside of Western New York with some of the places I've been able to help in some major cities and then outside of the country. And that's mostly just mostly been just virtual through like LinkedIn and the website, but slowly, but surely it's the car got before the horse, if you will, like, beer by Coleman took off and then the website was built and so now I'm in the process of really promoting the website and promoting the business but I had to be careful because like you just alluded to earlier I have to pay attention because it's just me and then I engage with other people to help me as I need and I do have partners for the brick and mortar aspect but uh, I want to make sure I don't bite off more than I can chew I'm not I'm not some I'm not Sam Calgione or somebody who can just walk into a room and has a lot of money and <laughs> people just know who I am locally I'm known but Yeah, I I walk into a place in Southern California and you're like, who who the hell are you? So, you don't want to
1: grow too fast and not be able to deliver and that kind of thing.
2: I'm only as good as the final product. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, you talked a little bit about the Trocare College and we hadn't got into that yet. So, describe what you do there. How did you get into working with them? and and what is it exactly that you do with trocare college
2: gotcha sorry i didn't mean to jump the chart there um
1: yeah, that's okay i mean we were getting to it eventually and it's, <laughs> it's just one of the many things that you're doing i'm, I'm not sure how you keep it all straight honestly
2: i am great i have because of the heart issues and i have adhd i can't take adderall so if you can see the walls in of my office i have sticky notes one wall is just complete whiteboard and i have every topic And it's just i color coordinate everything and my wife is a wickedly awesome, coordinated, organized person who, if it wasn't for her and my sister, who is actually a professional, she's a CEO of a large marketing firm out of Boston, who happened to buy a small Buffalo company and she comes in to oversee it. And so, between the two of them, if it wasn't for them, I, yeah, this, this, this could get ugly real fast.
1: <laughs> It'd just be a big mess.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. So, what are we doing? With, what are you doing with the college? College tell us
2: president saw me at a beer festival. He's actually doing a, for a big dish, they asked me to come in and help for a big tasting event. Went and did one. It was for a big fundraiser at Trocare. Did a good job. This guy was staying around at the end of it for a while, older gentleman, talking and grilling me a little bit. And it was pretty cool. And I gave him a bunch of beer and I said, hey, if you ever have any further questions, give me a call. I handed him my card and then he handed me his card. He was the president of Trocare. He goes, no, let's go grab a bite next week. Grabbed a bite. The brewing program had lost their director, kind of Fizzled out the hospitality program like a lot in the area that are smaller was struggling a little bit. And, uh, he goes, we could use somebody who's got the connections, the inroads, the entrepreneurialism to maybe come in and breathe a little life. And I checked the other boxes of I had the master's and I was already administrator in the city school system. So I had the pedagogical side to make you know the, the college happy. Um, and I was very frank with them because I told them I said, the way, the way a lot of the programs that are smaller out there, and I don't want to, Bite my nose off, to spite my face. A program like Trocare or any other program, I'm not trying to be Siebel, I'm not trying to be UC Davis, I'm not trying to be University of Vermont, Chicago. This is not a degree program, it's a certification program. So you look at Western New York, which New York State is the number two in the Brewers Association, as far as most breweries per capita, that we're up to like far, before COVID, 450 some. Uh, so we've got a really strong following. There are some good brewing schools in New York State. You know, we've got a lot of famed brewing companies here. And West New York is an anchor of that. We now have pre-COVID 47 brewing companies, and there were five more to open last year, this year, and they're still kind of on track. COVID delayed everything. So it's pretty significant uh, when you look at the population. And with that being said, knowing most of the owners and the brewers, there's only three that had any kind of formal training. They're all home brewers, had some acumen in it or experience. Somebody came in with some money or somebody had some money in the family and they, they birthed their dream. So I'm like, you don't need a full-blown pedagogical program that's just that's silly and it's a waste of people's time and money i go you need to make it practical uh, most of the struggling that i see with consulting is you can come in and learn how to brew and yeah you definitely want to get that dialed in you got to understand chemistry of water and some of that other stuff but you also have to understand marketing you also have to understand sales distribution oh you're going to have to serve some food you know you listen to anything from john taffer You you take a a $10, $5, $10, $15 sale to a $35, $50 sale, food, they stay in their seat longer, repetitive comeback, to-go stuff. So, okay, now you're running a restaurant. What do you know about restaurants? Most of these people don't have a clue. They can brew some good beer. They made a great beer who says, you should open up a brewing company, and they did it. And then they get open, and then they're like, oh, shit, what am I doing? And then I would (laughs) not get in, and they're like, like, Big Dish loved them. They're biochemical engineers, and they're phenomenal. But they were working in the pharmaceutical manufacturing field as quality control chemists in a drug manufacturing plant,
1: and then that's they, a long way from a restaurant.
2: They make some incredible beer, and my IPA craze was because my dad was a hophead. Was the '90s and the 2000s? So I crushed on the West Coast. I enjoy New, New England, love them now, but I'm just I drank so many IPAs because I do so much sensory testing and helping and tasting IPAs. I don't drink IPAs in my own time unless it's something new or every now and then I'll want to jump into one, but they make some really good hop forward beers and I helped them with all that other stuff. So when I when MetroCare took a little bit of courting, kind of came together with the contract and the other guys had kind of blown the money out of the water. I said, listen, you know, we came up with a budget that was minimal. Like I don't take much of a paycheck. It was more of this is a need in the area. There's a couple of brewing schools and I want to do things a little bit different because like I said, most of the time I'm hearing people saying they don't teach you distribution. I don't know about distribution. And when you talk to the distributors, even though they're nice guys, they're a business and they're out to make money. I don't understand sales. Uh, I don't know anything about running a restaurant. So we stripped out a little bit of the science, embedded some of these things through it. And then the other thing that I bring from the pedagogical side is I screen everybody that comes through it because I don't want to shove a round pig in a uh, square hole and just get a student, send a student out the door. Here you go. You know, w- you know, just throwing the sheep, you know, out there into the the wild. Because I've also been in the brewing companies where, you know, one of the tricks you do to somebody coming in. If you see a an intern and he's a young kid and it's doesn't look like he really knows what he's doing, you say, Hey, listen, out of the sandy bucket over there, go grab me a tri clamp. And it's there's no tri clamps in there, but we say just go grab one. You go describ and bring something over and be like, okay, you're on squeegee duty for the next six months because that's not even a tri clamp. And you don't know what a tri-clamp is walking to a brewing company, we got some problems as an intern. So it's like I've seen interns wash out or get frustrated. And so everybody that comes into the program, I let them know. It's like, this is fun. I want you to have a labor of love because being a brewer, you're a janitor. You're a cleaner. You're not going to make hardly any money. Brewers start out in the low, mid-30s. <laughs> you're not going to get rich unless you're the owner or you roll up. So I want you to know that you're doing this because you love it. and I don't want to scare them. But the worst thing that they could do is get into a place that's going to rely and depend on them, spend the time to train them up, and then, like, skip this. I'm not making money. I'm working my ass off. I don't like this. I wanted to build a program so we screen them. You know, we obviously train them. We run them through the – we offer our sensory, so therefore you get a level one Cicerone. And the sensory class will train you up almost to get ready to take the level two certified Cicerone. Do an intro to brewing, a science to brewing. Uh, incorporate a tip safe serve and a level one Cicerone certification training, and we get you certified – And then an internship of about a hundred hours. And when I, like I said, when I play show, if you're older and you've been a, the head maintenance guy at a local school, some small brewing company could really use your skills because that's an area where they don't have the money to hire people to come in and fix and repair and Jerry rig stuff and everything else. So, Yeah, you
1: can get someone to come in and fix stuff. That's actually kind of what I do for a local brewery here. And I went in when they were first opening up and I said they said they were looking for for brewers and for for beer tenders. And I went in and told them my background and and my background is engineering. And I worked in industrial gas because that was what my dad did. Um, So I did the whole CO2 and all the fittings for that. And I have a mechanical engineering degree and I owned a KFC. So I have the food service background. So I have literally everything except the actual brewing of beer that you would need for a brewery. So what I do for them is kind of like you said, you were on retainer. But I if they have a project, they call me and they say, hey, can you make this work? Or, hey, can you fix this? Can you do this? So I'm that guy for them. And I go in and they pay me a little bit of money and they give me some beer and I'm happy because I get to play at a brewery. But yeah, I mean, that's hugely valuable if, if you can get someone in who can knows how some of that stuff works and can figure out how how to fix things as they go along
2: yeah like you know i I know you said you do a lot of the editing if somebody has i have a marketing degree because now everybody wants to have the younger guys i have a marketing degree fantastic this brewing but now you want to go into brewing well this company no brewing company unless once you get into the mid upper level and have some kind of dedicated and distro that's working for you you, you can't budget for marketing. So it's like somebody who's got marketing and SEO skills or social media skills be like, sweet, you're going to be able to be a brewer. They can't hire you full time, but you're going to do this for 20 to 30 hours accordion style. They're going to round out your hours over here. And guess what? You're going to guest bartend once a week. And this hour, we're going to be able to give you 40 hours benefits, make you happy. So that that's we created the program, kind of took off. We had seven students on a program that was dead and dormant for a year. COVID hit in the middle of it. And we're like, crap taught a little online, kind of stumbled, fumbled, bumbled and I said, you know what? Western New York can't sustain a couple of brewing schools. It's just not viable. We don't we don't have enough population and growth potential. so I said, let's make it virtual because I have people reaching out to me through LinkedIn a lot, which is the a pla- LinkedIn and Facebook are the platforms I, I network a lot with and I have a number of brewing companies who I talk with and chat in different groups of brewing groups in South America, India, a little bit in Europe um, and in uh, South Asia, like the Philippines, Thailand, stuff like that. And I've had some of them say, uh, we need education. We need help, but there's no brewing school. And I'm like, well, if we can go virtual and you can have the ability to have some kind of grain sent to you and some kind of brewing equipment. And if you're opening up a brewing company or involved in a brewing company, I know you can have both of those. We'll instruct you remote. I taught two of the classes the first year and I had another guy teach the science of brewing and then this year I'm stepping back from teaching a little bit more where I'll be in the classroom to help. But I'm lucky enough I have uh, one professor who's got nine years professional brewing experience, but he's been doing it for a while. And so he's teaching and then we have and he's a lead production brewer, one of the bigger brewing companies. And then I have a um, head distiller from Buffalo Distilling as my other professor because we're one of the few programs in the country that do brewing and uh, distilling. And Buffalo's got an emerging distilling market coming on so it's kind of nice so yeah now we're just everything's virtual we got enough students back we're running full bore in the spring i've got some people in worcester mass and a couple people outside of the state and once this goes well we're gonna you know if this is gonna stay viable it's gonna be able to work with anybody anywhere type of thing and then that's kind of the goal and just kind of let it
0: then be the, the snowball that's rolling down the hill on its own Are your current students, are they mostly already in the industry uh, or or are they looking to enter the industry either as their own, um, you know, with their own brewery or to work for some place?
2: They are one person is in the industry. The other people are wanting to get into the industry. One of the things that I was pivoting and trying to market to was also brewing companies, getting people to jump into it, taking it because, you know, it's a pretty reasonably affordably priced program to level somebody up. Who's a newer brewer, um, and we were going to have various like classes and workshops and higher ones. COVID kind of decimated that in the far in the sense of any brewing company that had any kind of a taproom presence, they were just shot in the foot. Not you know all of a sudden their taproom sales went to dust and their revenues dropped. So they weren't spending any extra money on anything or anybody, let alone being able to retain all their employees. So it's something that we'll hopefully head going forward because one of the things that I'm also going to be Pitching to people is like, listen, if you guarantee an internship coming in, maybe, you know, we can develop a working relationship. There's there's ways that we can get creative. We're starting to get some sponsors to donate money for scholarships. So, yeah, you know, we'll see where it goes. And it's one of those, I'm hoping it keeps going, but I, we breathe some life back into it, and it's going to serve the community. And then, you know, like I said, I have people that reach out to me from middle of nowhere, Missouri or Pennsylvania, be like, I need help, and I can't get to a brewing school. Like, okay, well, find somebody that you trust or that you want to work into your brewing company that you're opening, put them through our program. We can get them, certi- we can get them certified in a half a year or their internship is going to work for you and the coursework is only eight weeks, 10 weeks, and 10 weeks. So it's only 30 weeks of coursework and then away they go. And so, you know, trying to just help people. Just, did you guys see anything that's opening up in the country now? I just want to make sure you're doing it right so you're not opening up and then closing in three to five years, especially if there's a, a pandemic that's on the horizon
1: and i think it'll be interesting to see when you can go back to schooling in person if you still have more of a demand to do that online since the, so many you're getting so many people who are far away that need these trainings and if you'll do sort of a hybrid program or still keep it online or or where that's going to take you as as time goes on here
2: yeah i mean hopefully i'd love for it to be able to because right now the hours of the building that our brewing school is in is nine to five. And that doesn't work for me because I, I run classes in the evening or Saturdays, uh, just because most people have other jobs and my professors are brewers. So right now it just doesn't make sense, but ultimately in a post COVID world, I'd love to do the hybrid where it's like, we'll run it out of the building. We'll do a virtual. So therefore you can go along with us. And because we're doing everything through zoom and working with the colleges, uh, Digital arts uh, people, you know, we're able to hopefully start building a library and building workshop decks and just things like that. So we'll see, but knock on wood, things are rocking and rolling in 2021. So I'm happy.
1: So you mentioned uh, as you're kind of communicating and helping out people that are in a variety of different places around the world, I want to switch over and talk a little bit about uh, travel. Cause that's the other thing we talk about here. We talk about beer. We've done a lot on your beer background and what you're doing for, for a living now with beer by Coleman and some of the great things you're doing with Trocare college. Let's uh, go to travel because I know that's something that you enjoy and we'll start out simple. Just, uh, what are a few of the, the best places you've been to in the United States for beer or where have you found some of the best beer?
2: That's a tough one. Um, I mean, Buffalo, of course. But uh, um, got a shout out to the hometown, right? Of course. Uh, my sister's lived in Boston for 20 years and I've helped her move every time. A, because I love her and I want to help her, but it was also an excuse to drive out <laughs> so I can help cart stuff around and then bring beer back from Massachusetts through Vermont. Uh, I've done some good beer venturing through Vermont. One of my favorite uh, beer cities is Chicago. My wife and I, my wife has family in Chicago. So we're fortunate. We, Pre-COVID would go there four or five times a year. We got engaged there. One of the best craft beer bars, I know we talked about this when we were on the phone when we first met, Hop Leaf up in uh, north of the river in Andersonville. Think of like, for those who are out there, the old Rack Skeller in D.C. or Sunset uh, Bar and Grill, which is in BC in between B.C. and B.U. That was a place that I told you I don't even know if they survived COVID. I'm assuming they did, because they're in between BC and BU. They have the 732 taps on. At least they did when I was there several years ago. Yeah, absolutely crazy. This place called Hop Leaf. It looks like you're walking into a cool castle looking building in the north end of Chicago, but they have, I don't know, two, three hundred taps, and they're they're talking about an eclectic collection of very they had a really nice European vibe on it's three floors and they, they kind of, the floors are like kind of catering to different beer palettes and uh, they had a really good European, German, Belgian, and different, some of the areas over there. So that's, that's it.
1: I think Derek and I are going to have to fly out there to Chicago and try out that, uh, try some of the beers there
0: at Hop Leaf. How did you know it was on Google flights already, Jeff? <laughs>
2: <laughs> See, you guys got to get out there. There's a couple other ones that there's one place that has three different rooms and they're all self poor and they have 137 taps uh, It's right downtown. Um, San Francisco has got a pretty really good uh, beer scene. Um, if you ever get out there, one of the guys that I kind of followed out of, Chris Cohen Rush, he wrote The Beer Scholar. He kind of did – he pioneered kind of what I was doing. He was a lawyer in New York and Cali. Got burnt out. we got a certified Cicerone, which he'll be the one to even tell you. He goes, that was as hard as the New York bar exam. Went all in craft beer, consulted whatever, started the San Francisco Brewers Guild that over helped oversee the, all the home brewers guilds, and now he owns a couple of brick and mortars out there. And uh, Old Devil Moon is a phenomenal, phenomenal craft beer bar
0: out there that that he runs. If you ever get a chance to get out to San Fran, I've done a, I've done San Fran Beer Week on two occasions, and oh. I will say it, it rivals any beer week festival uh in the entire united states like you say the beer scene in san fran is wonderful and the and the beer week festival itself is very well organized and it's a phenomenal event i've heard that i i
2: we missed it and i haven't had a chance to get it back out there but i hear that beer week is on par with you know the top in the in the country
0: agreed it's it's fabulous we we enjoyed it so much in 2015 we went back in 2017 and uh, for anyone that loves beer. Um, and uh, if you enjoy uh, really good uh, Hispanic food and you can hit the Mission District, there's a lot of really good beer bars in the Mission District. So you can go for tacos for lunch and then drink beer all afternoon and evening. Yep. Thanks for a great, great vacation.
1: And I'm just sitting here sad now because I didn't know you then or I would have gone with you. <laughs>
0: and I'm, like,
2: I'm assuming it's like you too. My wife and I, whenever... Cause we, Like you had mentioned, we we love to travel. We're travel geeks. Um, One of the reasons I I tried to build the business that I do, and like I said, I'm trying to network in places where I give a lot of free because I'm a a big believer in that Gary Vaynerchuk model, give, 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 you know, the jab, 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 right hook concept. And uh, it's starting to pay off because uh, I'm giving a ton of free to areas I want to travel with my wife down the road. And uh, when we go to cities, I love to walk around. Like I – it's A, a way to walk off the calories when you're drinking all day long. And it's a great way to see it because then you also, I mean, some of the best craft beer bars are some of the ones that I haven't seen on the map. They're not, they aren't blowing out 40 tap lines, but when you walk in, it's like, man, or they're a really small brewing company, tap room spaces, like they're jamming on some good beers. And they're like, yeah, this is, this is all they need. And San Francisco is one of that places. We came across a couple of places. and just like, would have never found you having to head and walk past you. And they're doing some really good stuff. Yeah. I was, I
1: have a, a friend or an acquaintance in the travel world. And he was talking one time about he was in Barcelona and he stopped in at this bar just to grab a beer. And his wife wasn't feeling well, I think. And he stopped in and the guy had, um, I think it was, I forget. I, I don't know if it was treehouse beers or like Hill Farmstead or some some crazy New England beer that he couldn't get anywhere in the States was in this little bar in Barcelona. And he was like, how did you even get this? And the guy has someone who ships him cases of beer, like goes around and collects them and ships them. And he's like, this was my favorite spot in Barcelona.
2: <laughs> Barcelona has a lot of good craft beer bars. I was pleasantly surprised there, pleasantly surprised.
1: Yeah, you never know what you find when you're, when you're traveling or what you're going to find. What are some of the favorite spots that you've been to, whether for beer or not for beer, uh, on your international travels?
2: Yeah. As my wife, we love, cause we'd like to, we'd like to travel. We love to travel far internationally. And I don't even know if we're going to be able to pull that off this year, just, you know, with COVID and everything going on. But, uh, Spain was fun. Madrid was okay. Barcelona had some really cool, uh, beer bars. And my wife goes, it's amazing. We go and we'll, we we'd like to travel with some other couples that we're friends with. And they're like, how do we always end up at a couple good craft beer bars almost on the reg? And I'm like, well, you know, it's kind of like a, an internal compass, <laughs> if you will. Um,
1: You're just drawn to them.
2: Yes. Uh, Florence, Italy, Italy was great. Rome had some really good beer going on. Um, and because beer is starting to really take off there. I, I, I like to talk to people. One of the favorite, one of my wife and I's favorite places to go to is Florence, Italy. I want to, Part of what I, like I said, building this business where a lot of it I can work from home or work from anywhere, it's just because I want to be able to just go spend two or three weeks in a place and work remote. And if I had to fly home, I will. But Florence, Italy is awesome. And we stayed, I like to say, right in between uh, Ponte Vecchio and the Duomo in old Florence. And I found a craft beer bar there that had as many Belgian beers on unique Belgian beers you'll find when you go to Belgium and bounce around. I I was blown away so much. So after about the fourth time going there, my wife's like, in four days, she's like, seriously, do we we have to keep coming here? I'm like, I'll go and enjoy the wine. But I'm like, you don't understand. Unless we go to Belgium, I'm not going to find this any other place, I don't think.
1: They went to the trouble of having them there. You should at least go and drink some, right?
2: Exactly. It was right next to the hotel. I'm like, honey, we can hit this on the way in and out. Um, Dubrovnik, Croatia has an Irish bar that had some really cool beers on tap because I had not explored because, I mean, it's a lot of pilsners, a lot of lighter beers. When you get into the old Yugoslavia, Czechoslovakia, you know, when you start going into that area, uh, Ukraine and all that, they had some beers I'd never heard of. And they were really good, all very light beers. They don't get too heavy. Um, But one of the, one of the other fun things uh, got to go, my wife won and I'll make this quick. My wife, won a scholarship for a – she's a high school counselor conference in Glasgow, Scotland a few years back, 17, 18. 18. And um, all expenses paid for eight days right downtown, put us up in the embassy suites. And you had two weeks to confirm if you're going to go or not. And she goes, should we go? I go, it's not a question of if. It's like uh, how quickly do we get the bags packed? Were we able to get <laughs> a, a ticket for myself. We extended it for a week in Edinburgh. And for eight days, the, the, it was actually six days where she was, like, busy from eight to four. And I got to do some really cool stuff with them and go to some cool distilleries and all this other stuff. But it gave me the opportunity to have all day, every day, to walk around Glasgow, Scotland, and a little bit in Edinburgh. Flew out there with a bunch of swag and befriended some of the brewing companies. And I actually got to brew a beer at Schilling Brewing Company for a day right downtown. It's cool old Scottish brewery. In downtown glasgow and this old bank all gorgeous marble like this 200 300 year old bank and uh the the brewer had to catch the ferry over to belfast because that's where he lived and he commuted to glasgow every day from belfast and he was stressing out because his uh his mansion was going long and i knew the system it was a three and a half barrel of copper system i'm like sat at the bar nobody's there i go i can help looked at me told him what i did came in and got to spend uh five six hours brewing for a day there Worked out so well. I got to go back and hang out with them another day and brew there. And then, uh, uh, Brew Dog is a really cool place. And even Matt, the owner, and all those guys—they'll talk to you on LinkedIn and some of the other places. Kind of cool. And when we were in Edinburgh, I got to go spend a day there and play around in the brewing company, which was was kind of cool. So those are the beer places we go to and craft beer bars. But as far as brewing companies, I've got to go and really spend time in. Scotland was the only real place because we were with other people and. When we're in like Spain, Italy, Croatia, and some of the other places. But yeah, it's kind of well, I
1: don't think it's that often that um, someone goes on vacation and ends up brewing beer for the beer for the brewery that they went in to have a drink at. So I think that's a special skill you have there.
2: It's literally because I don't, well, as you guys have, I'm sure, come to learn, I talk a lot and I was the only person at the bar. Because I found out at 10 o'clock, it's very appropriate to sit into a bar brewing company in Scotland because that's where they do business. And I'm like, okay, it's kind of cool.
1: I was one of the only couple people at the bar at uh, Foam Brewing in Burlington, Vermont. And I actually got to help name one of their new IPAs that they had just put on tap. And we designed the tasting notes for them to put on untapped. And I was the first person oh, to log in on untapped. So that was a pretty cool experience just because I was sitting there and they we saw them change the tap line. And it was me and another guy. And we're like, wait, 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 what's that? And they were like, oh, that's a new beer. We haven't named it yet. It's just fresh that we just putting it on tap. And we said, yes, we would like to sample that. And they're like, well, we don't even know what we're going to charge for it. And we're like, that's okay. You can give it to us for free. And they ended up just giving us a glass for free. And then we sat down with the brewers and the owners and we helped them design the tasting notes just because we said, hey, can we do this? And they were like,
2: yeah, sure. Why not? That's awesome. I have yet to get there, but I'm going to tell you now. They their beer' on fire. They make some seriously good beer.
1: yeah, I was it, I just happened to wander in there because I had flown into town. I <laughs> One of the more ridiculous things that I've done is I uh, had a Jet Smarter membership for a year, and it was a, a it was their simple plan that they allowed out of DC. And I could fly on empty legs for free on private jets so there was one going up to Burlington and my best friend from college lives up there so I was like great. So I hopped on and I took a shuttle jet I took a Learjet up to um, to Teterboro in Jersey and then the empty leg was from. Uh, New Jersey up to Burlington so I I flew up there on private jets and then he was still at work for the day he works he's one of the he's in some type of management now at at Burton snowboards but he was still at work so I was like well he's like can you amuse yourself for the day I was like absolutely so I looked up breweries and I just wandered around until I found them and that was the one I walked in and I was like oh my god I would have been so sad if I had missed this place
2: that's that's awesome. I'll tell you, the people in Vermont are, are pretty cool. Uh, I only had one kind of unique experience. of My sister from Boston, they go to uh, Killington all the time with her husband. They were like, he had a house with a bunch of his friends for like 20 years. She had a house with her friends that they rented every year, same place. And my wife and I, my sister had her bachelorette there. I told my wife, I'll drive her and another friend out from here. And they're like, why? I go, because I'm going to drive you off and I'm going to drive around Vermont. And all my brewing owner buddies are like, Taking order so the seat was down on the back end and i was ready to buy a bunch of cases they gave me all this beer which in turn made me look really good i was just you know as the the beer mule if you will and uh lo and behold my sister screwed something up i had to pick up something her. we were late and i got to her place and i was an hour and five minutes on the clock away from hillstead farms from killington call them how late are you open they go, until then, and I explain, I go, hey, this is who I am. I'm so sorry. I go, I got a bunch of beer for you guys from some of the brewing companies in Buffalo. I'm associated with them, and I'm here to buy some beer. I let it, how far is it They go? Oh, it's about an hour and 20 minutes, mate. You're not going to make it. I go, if I can get there, can I at least buy the beer and give you the beer? They're like, if you can walk in the door before we before it hits 6 o'clock or whatever it was, do it. Thank God it wasn't raining, and I was a little driving above and beyond the speed limit to get there. Walked in like five minutes before What's hilarious, there's one customer in there walked in, and people started clapping, and I saw money changing hands, and they go, we had bets to make if you see if you're going to make it or not, because if we had a nickel for every time somebody said it, they go, but we're going to make you work for it. I go, okay. So they go, just go over to the tap room, and they're going to tell you what to do there. I got over there, and apparently, uh, oh God, the, the head brewer, Scott, with his mom at that time was running the... Uh, the tasting room. I walk in, I see this older woman and I didn't know who she was, hands me a broom. She goes, they said, you're coming. I need you to help me put the chairs up and start sweeping. And I, I, am guessing you know how to do that. If you say you're in the game and I go, yeah, I can help you out. About 40 minutes later, she pours me a beer. Didn't tell me what I wanted. That's what I wanted to hand me a beer. And afterwards the brewers came up and I, they go, we're going to hang out for about a half an hour because we, they were screwing with me to, you know, to have fun and, I had like four or five cases of beer that I was distributing between them and Alchemist and a couple of the other places. And it was kind of neat because then I got to hang out in Hillstead Farms with people. I had no business hanging out with drinking some beer and just hanging out. And it's pretty cool.
0: I call that the pilgrimage up there because it's a place when you go to Vermont, you have to visit, right? And the beer is so iconic and it's so, um, so great. You have to go, but my gosh, it's close to nothing, Right, you say you're an hour twenty away. It's it's an hour twenty away from everything.
2: <laughs> when they said make a right at the burnt oak or the whatever the destroyed oak, and then you get into the dirt <laughs> road. And I'm from the southern tier, where I'm like, okay, I'm used to dirt roads. And I'm driving, I'll never forget because I'm recording it. You know, uh I call it beer venturing. I haven't thrown my my vlog up or anything yet. And I'm like, I remember on the cameras, I'm driving. I'm like, where the hell is this place? Like you're literally in the top of a mountain ridge, and I'm, I don't know if you either. I don't know if they've done anything new since I was there five, four years ago, and I'm just like, this is in the middle of literally nowhere, but it was worth the drive.
0: Sarah and I went up there for a long weekend trip there in in Burlington, as Jeff mentioned, uh, three, four, or five years ago, and it was uh, President's Day weekend, and it was snowing really hard uh, up there in the mountains, and it took us forever to get there. Uh, probably four hours, five hours from Manchester, New Hampshire, wow. where we flew in uh, because of the snow. And the, probably the last 45 minutes of the drive, we didn't see a single car because it was actively snowing. There was a couple of feet on the ground um, and the roads were completely covered, so it was slow going. We turn a corner. You know, for those that have been there, you'll know the corner I'm talking about. We We take a right to go by the brewery and we're like, where is it? Where is it? All of a sudden, we crest over a hill and there's a field full of about probably 200 cars. And my wife looks over at me and says, I think we found it. <laughs> yeah, we had found it. Um, you know, again, just in the middle of nowhere, especially when it's cold like that and, and, and snowy on a winter afternoon. Everyone was inside uh, drinking some stouts and some double IPAs and just having a good time. It's a, it's definitely, as I, again, I call it the pilgrimage, but it's worth everyone's effort to get there. It's a lot of effort. It's in the middle of nowhere, but it's an awesome place.
1: I actually haven't been there, but my buddy, the last time we got together, he had picked up some beer there and he was so excited about it. And we were like, why are you so excited that you were able to get this? You live in Burlington. Like, you can drive there. And he's like, no, no, because I we had a thing for work and we had a mountain bike outing and we got to the place and i'm driving out to it and i'm thinking oh we're getting close oh i'm getting close and he's like and it was only like another 20 minutes to hill farmstead he's like it's not 20 minutes from anywhere yeah. but it happened to be 20 minutes from where they went for their, where where burton went for their uh, mountain bike outing
0: uh it's so true we left there and we're we're headed over to burlington for the night You know we get back in the car and turn on the gps and i don't remember it's like two and a half hours or three hours or something i'm like it's a four or five hour drive up here we got three hours to go the rest of the way it's just it's not easy from anywhere but it's so worth the drive and you know they
1: got to be making good stuff if they put it in the middle of nowhere and people just will do anything to get there
2: exactly because of me being late for everything else and everything was closing I miss that's when I missed going to Burlington like I've had I've had a beer from and I'm like I gotta get to Burlington I was actually planning on staying overnight in Burlington but because I got so late Hilstead Farm was my first choice and they closed an hour before Alchemist I left just made it in time to Alchemist to buy some beer and give some beer I was like, at that point in time I'm like skip it it's dark I'm in Vermont I'm just gonna go back to Killington because god knows where i'm gonna next thing i know i could be in freaking quebec if i wasn't paying attention
0: <laughs> that's a valid concern in that part of the world yeah it's not not that far away for sure uh so i'm
2: overdue to get to burlington and wasn't as cool i didn't get to name any beers or anything so that that's freaking awesome
1: <laughs> so are you do you have anything other than in other than burlington and some of these areas that you're working with that's on your list as far as the next place you got to get to when when the pandemic lets up a little bit and we can start traveling again is there anything you're really looking forward to
2: yeah um fortunate because of the educational component and the collegiate and the health issues my wife and i are very lucky we got our first shots from the the moderna we We'll be out of the woods by the end of February as far as, you know, you still got to follow protocol and be safe and everything else. Because of that, another couple who are in the similar boat, we've already booked a trip to Chicago uh, this summer. We're going to go back out. And because we've gone there so much and during the summertime we'll spend a week out there, that's a place where in Chicagoland, when you go like 35 minutes outside of the Chicago area, that's where they live, about 35 minutes southwest of Chicago there's a ton of brewing companies but when i started going out there about six years ago there was only a few and i just go in and hang out and my wife's cousin who's like a sister who we would stay with all the time and go visit all the time he's a plumber and he's done some plumbing work for some of these brewing companies he'd go in with me a beer he'd done the plumbing work in these places like oh you got gonna talk to my cousin this is what he does and these guys like oh and i'm like and then they say they're struggling and it started out so much and i'm like well how are you buying your grains like, oh that's a problem i go well you got six brewing companies within thirty miles. Why don't you guys cost share buying? Oh, we can't do that. Their competitors. I go, Don't brew the same IP and don't do it in the same month, and you're gonna be fine. You're a small brewing company that doesn't ever reach more than twenty-five miles. Don't bite your nose off to spite your face. Oh, and I go, I know some I know some grain and malsters out here. I'll hook you up. And made a call. And so this summer I'm actually booking a couple of days to go there and then we wanna get back out to see some family out in Cali and then We have the itch to get back to uh, Central South America, Caribbean, or Europe. Probably not going to happen until 2022. I uh, befriended through my sister and some people, the only brewing company in um, the Cayman Islands. I got uh, actually a student who went through my program who's opening up a brewing company on the west end of Puerto Rico that I'm going to help him out with.
1: So a lot of places on the list, a lot of places to go. And it's kind I
2: of like, it's, and like, I, I, I want to ask you guys because it's like a damn wheel. It's like Chicago we know and we want to see Boston and see my sister. But like I said, I, I've, I've got a lot of years under my belt and i got some really good experience. But when I walk into a place like Boston or Chicago, it's not like, be like I'm Eric Coleman and I'm here to help. They're like, great. We don't know who you are. So next.
1: <laughs> yeah, you just got to keep meeting people and uh, keep spreading the word about the the great things you're doing with beer. So uh, people will get to know you. Exactly. And I think uh, as, as we close up here, why don't we go ahead and do that? Why don't you let people know what are the the best places to find you, where they can find beer by Coleman, where they can find you. I guess those are the same thing since you're the only one doing it at this point, but uh, give us the rundown of where people can find you.
2: Oh, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, the website is www dot beer by you can email me at eric at beer by coleman.com if you want to check out what i do like with my facebook live on thursdays my wife and i go live and we interview different brewing companies do different styles and we were two weeks no drink in the beginning of january so i did a, a entry-level show on glassware and an entry-level show on um pairing some food and beer pairing ideas and some things that play well together because these are all things that we teach through the sensory class and then um you can find me also on linkedin uh, that's where i do a lot of my uh, b2b soft consulting if you will the, the free stuff I, i've made some clients there and that's just eric eric c coleman over there on uh, linkedin
1: all right and we'll make sure we link up to all of that in the notes and i think uh, i can speak for both of us in saying thank you so much for joining us today it's when when dave I, I, our mutual friend, Dave is the one who connected us. And like I said before, when he, when he said, Hey, you need to talk to this guy. And I looked into what you were doing. I was like, yes, this is the man for our podcast. So thank you for taking time
2: out of your day and, and sneaking over here to chat with us for an hour. You got it guys. You got it. We'll definitely stay in touch. Thank you very much for this opportunity. I'm so grateful and blessed to be able to match you and uh, do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We'll see you soon.
2: Awesome. Cheers guys.
1: Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Eric as we did talking to him. Eric has an incredibly outgoing personality, a giving attitude, and a whole lot of knowledge about beer and brewing. If you're just getting started in the industry, need some help with an existing brewery, or simply appreciate a good beer and want to do a tasting for yourself or your company, check out what Beer by Coleman has to offer. We can't recommend Eric highly
0: enough. All of the important points and links for things we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find these notes is at milesandpints.com.
1: Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so that they can enjoy the show too. And please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform.
0: In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at miles and pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com slash miles and pints. And that's all we have
1: for this episode until next time. We hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun.